Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. Now, other translations say something to the effect of we rejoice in the hope of sharing in God's glory. But following uh, chapter four, you'll remember last week, Paul uses the word certain and assured in the New Living Translation. I really like that. So, so I, because we are certain and we are assured, then I like the word confident instead of hope. Because hope has this thing where it's like, I just am not sure. I'm hoping that it's going to happen. Confident is I have the word of the Lord. God has spoken. Jesus has come to wash my sins away. I believe it. That's, that's good preaching. Are you with me? I am assured of the forgiveness of my sins. So church, when our confidence is in ourselves to perform well, you lack confidence, right? Because we don't know what we're doing and we're gonna mess it up. When our confidence is in, I like this phrase, a godly God, not a wimpy God, a godly God, a God that nothing is impossible for. When our confidence is in a godly God, then we have real confidence. See how that works? That's pretty cool. It's confidence in God without me being proud at all. Likewise, if your joy, watch this, is dependent upon your own accomplishments and you fail all the time or often or every once in a while, then there's no joy. But when your confidence is in God, then joy is inevitable. That's good. When your confidence is in God, then joy is inevitable. Confidence is an effect of faith. Joy is an effect of faith. In the New American Standard, I study out of the New American Standard, translates the word confidently as exult. E-X-U-L-T. That's not a word that we use very often. Uh, but it means, it's important. We kind of, sometimes as, as, as language changes, our translations get changed too. And uh, sometimes we don't have modern words to replace old words. So we don't say the word exult, so we put confident in there, but we miss it. Not a word we use often. It means to show off verbally. Isn't that interesting? So, so as, as people of faith, we talk openly about the fact that we stand in God's undeserved privilege. We just verbally brag about, we show off. Let me tell you what my God has done for me. He sent us, I was in sin and I was, I was going to suffer the, the wages of sin. I was going to suffer the consequences of sin. I was going to die in my sin. But God came along, sent his son to die on the cross to wash away my sins. And then his son rose on the third day so that I can also have eternal life. My God has gone out of his way to make me right in his sight. I just want to tell you how great my God is. We talk openly about the fact that we stand in God's incredible grace. We are not bragging about ourselves. We brag about what God has given us when we deserved his wrath. It's more than brag. We celebrate God's grace in our lives. This morning when we sing the first song, I just couldn't sing loud enough. 
Yeah. We celebrate the grace of God in our lives. If there is, listen carefully, if there is any idea, this is why this is so important, it's why I've repeated it over and over, Sunday after Sunday. If there is any idea in your mind that you contribute to your being right with God, if there's any idea in your mind that you contribute to your being right with God, then when you speak of your salvation, it'll come across as arrogant. And this is why I think that Christians turn off people outside of the church often. Because we have a wrong theology. A theology that says, well, whenever I am a good enough person, then I'll come to Jesus and Jesus will accept me and God will accept me. And so then whenever we are, have been in church for 20 years and we're like, yeah, I've been in church for 20 years. I go every Sunday. Oh, I'm not just that, you know, those, those, Christian, those uh, Christmas and Easter Christians. I'm not one of those. I go every week because I'm really close to God. I'm really spiritual. And God is saying, no, no. And the world says, no, I don't want what you have. What you have stinks. If I want arrogance, I can go to work and work with heathens. And I mean, I can't, I work with Christians, but you guys. <laughs> There's something beautiful about being able to brag about God and at the same time say, I am nothing. But in God, he's giving me this place of grace that I have everything, and I want you to know about it too. Everybody can come. We, let me find a good place in my notes because I'm so lost. When you know that through Christ Jesus, God has provided your complete salvation, then you exalt God's grace in your life. We humbly look forward to sharing in God's glory. I like this. We humbly look forward to sharing in God's glory. Because sometimes when we talk about the glory of God and we're going to participate in the glory of God, God's going to shine his glory through us. We get this hoity-toity thing about us again. And it's not about you. Not about you at all. We humbly look forward to sharing in God's glory. I just think that's incredible. Whenever I was little, really little. Uh, my dad pastored a church and it was an auditorium with a Sunday school wing and the parsonage, that's where the pastor lived, was in the middle of this L, right? The parsonage was in the middle. So we lived, my dad, uh, he went to the office just down the sidewalk uh, from our house. And so sometimes I would get to go over to my dad's office while he was studying, right? He would be attempting to get ready for Sunday morning and I would play in his office. And every once in a while, uh, he would let me play his guitar. He had this old Gibson guitar. And so uh, he'd get it out out of the, this flimsy cardboard case and I would noodle around on it. I didn't have anything. I had no idea what was going on. I just played with it. And then he would play and, and then I would try to play what he played, but obviously I couldn't play what he played, but it was kind of cool. I got to be there with him. And as I got older, he would let me answer the phone every once in a while. That stuck in my brain because sometimes people would say, hey, Pastor Hedden, and then they would start telling me things. And I was like, whoa, 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 this is Brent. This is not the pastor, whoa. Later on, my dad, he even let me preach a few times. And I, I say all that to, to make a point here, okay? I was not the pastor. I was not dad. I wasn't even an adult. And an adult. I really did have too much coffee. <laughs> but my dad shared with me, listen, his position as the pastor, his position as dad, and even his position as being an adult in a way, my dad shared, he allowed me to share in his glory. Was I anything special? 
<laughs> no. But he, that's kind of what dads do. I think most dads are this way. We want our kids to be happy about themselves and, and feel like they did something great when we went fishing. Some of you guys will relate to this. When we went fishing, my dad would bait the hook, cast the rod, set the hook, reel the fish in most of the way, hand the rod to me, and I caught a fish. <laughs> yes. When my dad worked on the car, he was the brains and he was the brawn. I played in the toolbox, mixed up, you know, you know, your dad has, I will tell you guys this, your dad has a socket thing, a little thing that holds sockets and they're in order. <laughs> Whenever I was a kid, I'm like, well, this is just fun. Just take them all off and then put them back on, make a cool design and dad's trying to work and now the sockets are out of order and they're in microscopic letters and you can't see those. <laughs> I didn't realize that until I turned 36. And then I'm like, wait, where did the letters go? They're gone. <laughs> My dad would work on the car. Once it was fixed, we had made it work together. Somehow I was glorious because of my dad's work. Part of being a dad is sharing glory with your children. God wants us to share in his glory as well. Don't pull this, I'm too bad. No, no. What God of the universe wants is to provide a salvation to your sorry self so glorious that he can take your sinfulness and make it glorious alongside of him. Man, that's good. God aggressively works to make you and I right with himself. We are privileged to live in our heavenly father's amazing place of grace. So yes, we confidently and joyfully tell others about how glorious our God's work is in us. Did you get that? There's evangelism. You don't know how to do evangelism? Talk about God's greatness and his grace in your life. Number three, here we go. Oh, Lord, heaven, help, help us. Lord, make the hands on the clock stand still. Endurance. Endurance. And this is where the message is going to take a little dip, okay? Sorry. Uh, we were all encouraged. We want to have peace. And we like the idea of having privilege and confidence and joy. This is great. Endurance. I don't know that I really want endurance. Romans chapter 5, verse 3, it says, We can rejoice rejoice. That's when you already had joy once. Now we're going to rejoice. So we're going to have joy a second time. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Paul, you've been out in the sun too long. For we know that they help us develop endurance. For we know, like faith, we believe just like we believe that God is at work in our hearts, we believe that whenever we face trials, when we face problems, that God is using these things to help us develop endurance. One of the effects of faith in God is developing endurance. I heard a long time ago, I don't remember who said it, but I think it's a worthy saying, and I've, I've repeated it from time to time. The measure of a man is the size of the problem that it takes to stop him. The measure of a man is the size of the obstacle that he cannot overcome. Does that make sense? I don't know what the original quote is, and you know, I just botched it all up, so sorry whoever said that. You learn to go 
whenever we have endurance, when we have faith, we learn to go through problems. You keep going and not let the problems and trials drag you to a stop. And I remember, especially whenever I was younger, uh, I'll tell you a story. I don't have time for a story. Oh, uh, my dad was a great man. He had the worst lawnmowers ever. So I was going to mow lawns whenever I was a teenager. And my dad's like, yeah, you can use my lawnmower. And I used it for a season. And he said, I'm going to, you worked hard. I'm going to get you another lawnmower. A new lawnmower is what I heard. He said he heard another lawnmower. So one of his coffee drinking buddies buys lawnmowers that are on their way to the dump. And he polishes them up and sells them to my dad. And so now I've got this lawnmower that will not start. Now, I could have stopped, and my mom will attest that there was a lot of frustration and anger and maybe a few foul words on my part. I threw a screwdriver at the motor one time, and it stuck in the top of the engine. I have no regrets. As many times I took that lawnmower to the edge of the street and waited for a car to come, just to shove it out there. I say all that to say, Frustrations in life come in all shapes, sizes, forms. And we, we can just stop because we can, right? We, it's, just too, it's just too hard, so I quit. Just can't do it. Serving God's too hard. Going to church, huh, that alarm goes off at like 9 o'clock in the morning. Whew. And now they're going to change service time to 9 o'clock. That's way too early. And 11 o'clock, huh, that gets into brunch. Ain't no way. Can't do it. It's too hard. Way too hard. You learn to go through problems and keep on going. I know we'd prefer that God just remove the problems and the trials from our lives. Can you show me in the Old Testament where God ever did that? Nope. There's a Red Sea. What are we going to do? Let's go right through the middle of it. God, oh, I have to read this all together because I set this up. I'm going to stick with it. We prefer that God would just remove problems and trials from our lives, but... God is not in the business of redeeming sissy lalas. <laughs> it's a Greek word. <laughs> kidding. It's not. Not sissy lalas. Oh, so bad. Put your faith in God. He is at work transforming you and I into the character, watch this, of Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is the, we want to grow into a level of endurance of Christ Jesus, who went to the cross, not for himself, but for other people. That's a whole new level of endurance, right? When you suffer the consequences of somebody else's absurdity, when it costs you great, when it should have cost them great, right? Because how many times you get a scratch or a dent on your car and like, I'm not paying for it. You're the one that hit it. God. God comes along and he says, I will pay for it all even though you did it all. You're the one who sinned. Jesus will make it all right. Endurance. He's at work transforming you and I into the character of Christ Jesus. Jesus went through some trials. He didn't quit. He prayed. He trusted God the Father and he kept moving forward. Well, Brent, I'm just not, I'm just not very strong. Well, obviously you need a trial then right? You need a trial in your life. Be glad 
In fact, Paul says, rejoice that God cares enough about you to help you develop endurance. Here's the bumper sticker. Believers aren't quitters. We were starting a school one time, and one of the people that was kind of involved, well, they were very much part of our team, they said, this is too hard. If, if it's this hard, then obviously God is not in it. And they were wanting to quit, uh, to which I was like, yes, there's the door. See you later. Not a quitter. We will keep working. We will imagine, imagine Moses, man. He has these goofballs that he's leading. He had so many opportunities to quit. I do not fault him for smacking the rock, but he didn't quit. I may not get leadership right all the time, but I ain't quitting. Y'all are stuck with me. You understand? We don't quit. We just keep trusting that God will work it out. Well, what if he doesn't work it out the way that I think he should work it out? Well, he's probably not because he's God and you're not. Here's the, here's, uh, here's the issue. Listen carefully. Again, we overcome problems and trials by faith in God, not in ourselves. So when we face a problem, we immediately default to how am I going to fix this? And God says, did you want my help? Or, you know, I could do this for you. We overcome problems and trials by faith in God, not in ourselves. If you are relying on yourself to overcome, trials are discouraging. If you are relying on God, then again and again, you will see God miraculously overcome the problems and you will grow in your endurance. Each time your confidence in God grows and with the next obstacle comes, you will move forward with more confidence, more joy, more endurance. Does that make sense? As our confidence in God grows, as, as we put our faith in him and we have joy and we trust in him, there's less fear, there's less frustration, there's less worry, there's less doubt, less drama. Did you hear all that? Less drama. We live in a world that thrives on drama. There's nothing that sucks the air out of drama more than, I don't know, but I know that God has got it, so we're okay. Well, aren't you going to? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm just going to not worry about it. That's what I'm going to do. God's God. And if I die tomorrow, I'm going to heaven. See ya, buddy. Right? Our confidence is in God that he knows what he's doing. One of the effects of faith is endurance. Number four, stronger character, hope, and love. Verse four, he says, and endurance, once we develop endurance, develops strong character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not, uh, will not lead to disappointment. For we know, there's this belief again, for we believe, we know, we have faith, how dearly God loves us. Because he has given us his, the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Now, I know I'm kind of towards the end of my notes and you guys can feel whenever I'm starting to get to the end, your brain begins to get distracted. So focus with me for just a 10 more minutes, nine more minutes, okay? There are very real effects of faith in your life. When you trust God with your life, you live differently. You think differently about life. You approach everything in life differently. When we first started Desert Heights, we had a little offering box, a little clear acrylic offering box. Some of you 
who are as old as me will remember that way back. We had this acrylic offering box. It's a Desert Heights offering and it had a little slot in it. People would put their offering in there. After Sunday morning service, we would take it home. We'd dump it out on our kitchen table to see if we'd covered our week's expenses because we were at the Marriott. We were renting a room. Uh, then we had to rent two rooms for adults and children and we were buying coffee and cinnamon rolls for breakfast. And so we were spending about $280 each week. And so we kind of needed the offering to be $280 uh, to cover the expenses. And most of the time there was not enough money to cover it. And so, of course, I would worry about, well, how are we going to do this? I mean, Diane was already, she was teaching. I'm like, you're going to have to get a second job, sweetheart. And she would tell me, well, then you need to get at least one job because I was staying at home watching the kids and trying to, I was, I was the, the pastor secretary of, the, of a startup church. So I would worry about the money, right? And in spite, listen to this, in spite of my immature faith, God always provided, always, every single time. We wouldn't be here today if God had not provided. So finally, I recognized what is happening and I stopped counting the offering every Sunday. God always provided for the month's bills. My worrying during the week did not help. I was worrying over $280 to rent two rooms and a little bit of breakfast at the Marriott so that we could start a church when I could have been celebrating even boasting about God's grace in my life. Now listen, which one glorifies God? Worrying about the problem or just saying, I'm a man of great privilege. God has elevated me to a place of privilege and grace. I'll just trust him. If he wants Desert Heights to be, he'll finance it. And he did. We don't have time, but... I'll ask forgiveness from the teachers later. I've told this story many times, but there's a lot of new people. So, so some of the guys got together and we're like on a Saturday, we had our men's meeting, all four of us. And we had a men's meeting and it was like, okay, we need to get a speaker and a microphone and a couple of sound things to kind of help with the church development part. So we agreed that we would spend $700 on my credit card to buy some equipment for the church. And so I went home immediately that Saturday and I ordered it. Next Sunday morning, there was like $38 in the offering. This is the moment as a pastor that you're like, well, I really was in the flesh yesterday, wasn't I? God, I've screwed up your entire plan. That's how I felt. We went to Walmart, a man who did not come to a church, or did not attend our church, had not been in our church at all. We run into him at Walmart, he reaches in his pocket, he says, I've been meaning to give you this, a check for $1,500. So then we go from, oh God, I've screwed up your plan, to oh God, what am I doing leading your people? Because I obviously, I have nothing. But then we put our faith in him, and it just is pretty mad, pretty amazing. Church, the world needs strong character. We need strong character. Not strong personalities. That's a different thing. We need strong character. People who have faith in God when we face trials. Are you with me? When everything is falling apart around us, we need people of strong character to keep their faith, keep their hope in the God of salvation. Well, Brent, don't you know there's a pandemic going on? We should be freaking out. Yeah, because this is the first time that there's been a pandemic and God is surprised. 
what? No, God has got this. We put our confidence in him and we live as wisely as we possibly can with everything else as well. When faced with an obstacle, we don't need discouragement. You ever, you ever been around? We make fun of Captain Obvious, right? You're driving along, you scrape that car a little bit, and the person next to you says, you just hit them. Oh, is that what that big old crunching noise was? I just thought that, oh, I don't know, I thought I was losing my mind. We don't need discouragement. We need someone whose faith has been through some trials before to say, our hope, no matter the circumstances, our hope is still in God. We have nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. We are still standing firm in God's place of abundant grace. We have nothing to worry about. When our hope is planted firmly on God to do what only God can do, we will not be disappointed, is what the scripture says. If our hope is in ourselves, if our hope is in other people, if our hope is in a pastor, a pastor, not this pastor, I, in any pastor. I mean, some of those TV guys, you listen to them and you're like, I think you could do it. No, we can't. If you're... Pretty incredible. He has great hair. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Whenever I have my own TV show, they're going to be like, he has a great beard. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I was right at this moment, you know? We were right at that commit your heart to Jesus moment. And then I make a joke. If our hope is in ourselves, other people, pastors, the church, the government, there is a good chance you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be disappointed. The last effect of faith is, the last effect of faith in our text is, we know how dearly God loves us because he has given the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Isn't that cool? This is like a, a prepayment on the completion of our salvation. He says, you know what? I want to put my Holy Spirit in you. So how do I know that God loves me? Because the Spirit inside of you loves people who are otherwise unlovable. I want you to hold on to that for a second. Because Christians, sometimes we are the worst about saying, well, they don't deserve my love. Sweetheart, you don't deserve God's love. And I don't think that that is the Holy Spirit in you. Saying that other people are not lovable. Are you with me? The Holy Spirit loves people that are unlovable. So is your heart filled with love for others? Not just some, but others in general. Is your heart filled with love for other people? Even lost people? Yes. Then you know that God's love is in you. His Holy Spirit is in you. We love people. And we want them to have the same opportunities as us to celebrate the privilege of living in God's grace. We love them, so we celebrate it with them so that they will be attracted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we do this thing where our church is pretty good. Wouldn't want you to come because you'd mess it up. <laughs> I mean, not our church, but other churches do that. My dad remodeled the church in Carlsbad one time, and I just remember that they were very, very excited about their new building, and it looked beautiful. And all I saw was, we need to make sure that some sinners come and sit on these pews. 
well, why would we want unbelievers here? They didn't pay for it. Isn't that how we are? Oh, yeah. They didn't pay for it. Why should they get to enjoy it? Sweetheart, you didn't pay for your salvation, yet you stand in privilege of the kingdom of God. We love people and we want them to have the same opportunities as us to celebrate the privilege of living in God's grace. How do they come to know God's grace? How do other people come to know God's grace? By you loving them before they deserve it. Is that familiar? By you loving them before they deserve it. God did that. The effects of faith evident in your life is what attracts others to believe in your God. That is really good. That should be like a title of a book or something. The effects of faith evident in your life is what attracts others to believe in your God. We have nothing, yet we live a life of faith in a God who blesses us with what Ephesians says, every spiritual blessing in heaven and on earth. You have been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. on Main Street in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.